anything's possible though, because you know Bitcoin is money, so you know money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Coin Telegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm back from having strep throat. Hello. Welcome back. This who is, is that? Who is that saying strep, they had strep throat? Yeah, I had strep throat. It was who, pretty bad. Who are you? Oh, I'm host number <laughs> one, Rochello. <laughs> hey, guys. And I'm host number two, D. Host number three, Corey. What's up, everybody? Welcome back, Cello. Thank you. Thank you. How, how did y'all's uh, your meetup go? last week that was great uh had a bunch of talks on kind of where to get started into diving into the waters that is ethereum as a developer and educating yourself kind of like links to go things like that and then um it was so like it was in dc and a bunch of people from our slack are also around the DC area and they showed up. So there was like, I don't know, between five and eight of us just hanging out. It was, it was cool to put faces to the names. Uh, we're going to try and organize uh, like a DC East coast area meetup where everyone on the Slack or anyone else in the area can join us and come say hello, ask questions, bullshit, grab a beer, whatever you want to do. Try and figure that out. That'd be fun. Cause it was, it was nice talking to everybody and kind of just, discussing normal stuff with people that follow us yeah we had a we had a fight club out in philly too so i just wanted to thank uh jack dictator for showing up uh giving knowledge to everybody out in our in our philly meetup yeah man mm-hmm. philly meetup's grown quite a bit sold some shirts i think got a got a couple giveaways that's ken organizing that thing putting in the putting in the real work Mm-hmm. And our our group is just like Fight Club, except for the number one rule of our group is that you talk about it with everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Um. Well, what episode are we on? One hundred and sixteen. Sixteen, my friend. That's pretty hot. One hundred and sixteen. That's yeah. one hundred and sixteen hours of. Or more of of the gritty Bitcoin talk. Yeah, if you're like stranded in the in the wild for five days, you can you can listen to us until you die of starvation. That's how much audio we have. Mm. We could be the last thing you ever hear. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the strangest analogy to come up with. <laughs> um, we can be the uh, white so. Your wilderness death. All right, go ahead. Go ahead and transition out of that. 
I was going to say, what, what's new in Bitcoin now? Besides the price going price. bananas out of the blue. It's not going bananas. Yeah. It's not too, it's, it's kind of gone up pretty steady. A new, hit a new all time high of 1200 for a hot second. Yep. And then drop right back down to 1160. Looking at it right now. It's going to be at 1160, 1150 for a while, I think. Think so? What makes <laughs> you think that? Uh, just because that jump to twelve hundred was a little too safe, a little too quick, and we were, we were a bit overbought. That was quick. Overbought. Yeah. So, so D, the entire time we've traded and like looked at the charts and had to figure out what the price is going to do amongst ourselves, D has has every single time, without fail, mm-hmm. found this pattern that he continues to try and find and wants it to be real called a cup and handle. It's about to happen, bro. And I don't think that you've seen a chart in your life and haven't found a cup and handle. (laughs) Because it's the best pattern ever and it works. And now we just hit the top of the cup. Yeah. So if you like zoom out really hard on uh, like the, the entire life cycle of Bitcoin, it just looks like this giant cup because yep. it hit and we were like in parity with what our previous high was over a long period of time. So basically it works like this audience is that a cup and handle basically says that you hit an all time high and then you drop off and you keep dropping and you keep dropping and then you hit a low and then you come back to that all time high but then that's right around the point where people are going to be taking profit and doing all that stuff. So then you drop again. In fact, I'm anticipating we drop down to like 750, maybe $800. And then it goes back up and you beat that all time high and you go really, really, really far after that. Is that because you get a lot of the people out that were in on the first high? I think that could be. And it's more it kind natural of growth. growth. It's not, I mean, it removes that ceiling that was there before. Um, but the cup and handle just seems that it's going to go fucking bananas and the price is going to get like 2000, 2400, somewhere in there. If yeah, just, it is a cup and handle, I just seems too simplistic for me, but if you're right, I, I I'm going to give up on, on all methodology for, trying if to I'm figure right out what there, the price is going to I'm going to start walking around on the weekends with, a a robe with a bitcoin symbol attached to it and i'm just gonna be like i'm a guru the price flows through me if you want to know what the future is ask me uh yeah that's gonna be it and then what happens but anyways we're talking like 30 to 50 dollars uh i anticipated ethereum shooting up to about 50 or 60 this year and then coming back to about 40s there's a lot, nice. there's a ton of development happening in that space. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like the, all the development goes to Ethereum. It's all the development goes to these crazy ass applications that do various things that solve, that, that allow people to get into the space without knowing they're using the technology really, really, really easily. And mm-hmm. because those things are built on Ethereum, it's good for Ethereum. And so like, it's this, it's, I'm, I'm curious what's going to happen when these things come live. And there's a few of them are just starting to become live now. A lot of them are in alpha and beta testing to kind of work out the kinks. 
and I've played with a lot of them, and it's just so ridiculously like intuitive and easy to use for someone who's already in the space. You're right. So like with my experience of playing with different applications and tools and the technology since I've been involved, it's always been somewhat cumbersome. And I was able to do it because I understand how things work from a developer point of view and like the, tech, the, the technicals. But the things they're building now with Ethereum make it really kind of just like, this is blockchain. What am I using? It just allows me to do something cool. Mm -hmm. Ethereum, if you ask me, I think the internet should just be rebuilt with Bitcoin and Ethereum and maybe zero zero knowledge proofs and then we're good to go. <laughs> Ethereum is just that. Uh, just do that. Yeah. You're fine. What about Litecoin. Litecoin is now like the number five currency when it used to be the number two. Well, it doesn't do so, anything special. Yeah, it's just baby Bitcoin. I mean, in a perfect world where the analogies were one to one and people really thought Bitcoin were digital gold, then Litecoin would be perfect as digital silver. But Ethereum is actually functional, like it being Tory complete, it just having that ability to run applications. The gasoline thing is kind of expensive right now, especially if Ethereum gets a lot of value. They need to rethink how the gas structure works or they yeah, need to hold that. It's fine. It's, it's, it's dynamically changing. Based on the oh, it changes dynamically? Yeah. Okay, well, then that's different then. I thought it was a flat fee for things. Um, nope. I must have read that incorrectly. Yeah, okay. that was something actually on the on when you talked to one of your on-ramping and D things that was a problem I had. You mentioned that uh, gas is a unit of ether, which it's not. It's uh, Gas is paid in ether, but the exchange rate is variable. It changes dynamically with the network. Mm -hmm. So like as, as it gets more and more um, in demand, the gas price to ether will change dynamically. So it, it's, it's adaptive to how many people are using the network and how in demand ether is. Mm. So I got that incorrectly. So gas is, is working good. And I like the idea of gas. And I really still like the analogy that ether is, is digital oil and Bitcoin is digital gold because you use oil to do things, lots of different things. And Ethereum can do things, lots of different things. So, um, yeah, I've been reading up on Ethereum. I read the old understanding Ethereum packet. Um, now I'm reading the interop interoper interoperability. How do you fucking say that word? You just Inter said interoperability of chains. I'm looking forward to that read because um, the internet just needs to be rebuilt with Bitcoin and Ethereum and zero zero knowledge proofs or Zcash, however whatever you want to call it. And I hope that the first implementation of interoperability that someone tries to make is they just call it two chains. <laughs> True. And you True. can have you can you can brand that. <laughs> you can brand two we chains. Should, we should be talking with two chains right now and because we need to let him know about this opportunity. Uh because right now he's only concerned about being uh, buried in a Louis store when he dies, I think. Yeah, so we Which got an email uh the other day at talking about the first strip club with bitcoin i don't know how it works mm. i don't know why it works it's peter Klampka, the guy who does the mike tyson atms uh he wants to do an interview i think we should uh poll our audience and see because we have it we did we've done quite a few strippers and i guess 
alternative methodologies for using Bitcoin. And I and, and you've also talked about the Make It Rain app mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for I don't know your whole life. He didn't say Bitcoin. He said uh, it's the strip club on the blockchain. What does that even mean? I don't know. Yeah, we need to find that out because it's in Vegas. So like he and Peter Klamka has done a lot of legitimate things. Um, basically trying to, I guess, I wouldn't say sensationalize the technology, but make it marketable to people who don't care. Like Mike Tyson ATM, it's mm -hmm. just a Bitcoin ATM, but people are like, oh, fuck, Mike Tyson. I'm curious what he's yeah. doing nah. with blockchain in the strip club. I am too. I'm, uh, but you guys, I think now I realize Bitcoin's not going to be something that everyone owns. It might be something that everyone uses. But it's just like gold is. Like, when you think back to all those gold bugs back in the 50s and 40s or whatever, whatever time frame it was, I can't remember which decade, and everybody was like, yeah, gold's not that big of a deal. Go away, please. We don't really use gold. And now gold is, is really valuable now. So the people that were really into gold and fanatic about it, they're, they're doing well. I think Bitcoin's going to take that same route in history. But the only difference is, is that when it is actually reached potential where it can do what it's promised it can do, then people will be using it without realizing they're using it. And then the people that held it all this time, well, I guess we just get boats. Is that like during the gold bug, like through the gold phase, people bought, like got gold because it was a good storage of value. It was, a, you know, it was a currency. And then it became more useful when they realized like it's, you know, it's, it's material properties like conductivity and things like that, where they could mm -hmm. use it for certain like real world applications as opposed to just using it as a storage of value and currency. And because of that, it increased the price of the storage of value. Pretty much. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is like once people start to figure out how it's really used and then all of us that have just been holding it for this time, just like, oh, cool. Well, now we have it and you don't. So if I you love need it. How Go ahead. we've just spent like we, this whole time we've been saying it's a it's an alternative investment. It has it, it certainly still has potential to you know lose money, but it's still like the best performing investment that I've ever owned by far. Yeah, I've owned I guess a few if things. it just go to zero, like what? What is the realistic? How, how do you feel about like its evaluation just dropping to nothing? Like, what time frame would that actually real like real like what would have to happen for what would have to happen? People to just lose complete faith and value in Bitcoin. Uh, there, uh, uh like barring like cataclysmic things that bitcoin doesn't really matter if if this things happen like if, if a meteor hits and fucking wipes out half of the world who cares if bitcoin doesn't work yeah. but how does society keep going and bitcoin die loss of interest you think so that's what happened to me now multiply my case by a couple couple billion and there you go well what if like your use case or your loss of interest doesn't really matter if there are services that use the technology without you knowing about it. 
your 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 care or interest doesn't really matter. I mean, it needs to be on a mainstream level. If 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 banks are implementing the technology and vendor services are using it, the value goes up. But if it's not put in front of me and people aren't using it, then what does it matter? Like, you know, Snoop Dogg sold his CD of Bitcoin. Nobody bought it with Bitcoin. Didn't matter to him. Didn't matter to us. I think that's the you wrong know, approach. I don't it. think that, like, people really caring about it, like us being, like, we're we're definitely evangelists of the technology, and we have been, but I don't think that really matters. Like, people don't need to be excited about Bitcoin and holding Bitcoin and using it for it to work. They just we just we just need applications that use it, like some real yeah. real corporations and services that exchange value amongst each other using it as opposed to like, you know, Stoop Dog selling his album in Bitcoin specifically. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah. I mean, it had the appeal to because you can get things with Bitcoin. It has that value, right? That's there. You can get things that aren't easy to get with Bitcoin. It's always going to have that value and that's not going to go away. Period. So, in my eyes, I don't see right now there being a scenario that makes it drop down to zero. There's the scenario of Armageddon. Well, if there's Armageddon, like you said, nobody's going to give a shit about digital currency. They're going to be like, hey, man, we got bigger problems, and we haven't even dealt with the mutated humans in a few thousand years, because that's always a thing in sci-fi movies. No. So... That problem's not there. So let's say people are completely uninterested, like all at once, like Marcello. Well, there's still going to be that dark market of people that are trying to get shit with Bitcoin just because it adds that layer of that layer of FU to governments. Because, I mean, yeah, even, you could you, you could track somebody down outside, even speaking outside of like subverting government watch. Or like, you know, being able to keep track of where you're spending your money so they can appropriately tax you. Even getting away from that idea. The fact that you can now buy things on the internet without giving all of your informa- personal information through the channels, like through the internet channels. Like right now, the only way to buy something on the internet is through a credit card. You have to send all of your sensitive information across the internet to many, many different places so that you can make that purchase. And Bitcoin is the first technology that allows you to not have to do all that shit and you don't send sensitive information so just because of that i feel like it's going to stay because it's just a better way of buying things on the internet it just needs to be hooked into certain services that do that automatically without the customer knowing or caring the brave browser once they get bought by google here for a few billion dollars in the next five years which is going to happen because they've already proven that people are willing to pay a little bit amount of money to not have ads. And they've already cut Coindesk a check that was pretty fat for it. So Google's going to buy Brave. Brave, then everyone has an integrated Bitcoin wallet in their web browser. Because everyone's using Google Chrome. So, I mean, the 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 value of Bitcoin is only slowly going to increase over time. And it's not going to be something that... Shello, you may be uninterested, but you're going to be using it, and you're not going to know it. I mean, all this is just speculation and faith and understanding. That's all it is. Bitcoin's a religion. You know, you can just keep having faith in it and say, oh, in five years is going to happen, four years is going to happen. 
I mean, we've been saying that since 2013, and we're gonna keep saying it in 2020. You know, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah but in 2020, what people do with it at the time is gonna be drastically different and yeah. more than what it is now. Like when we were saying it in 2013. There's always gonna be the oh man, hey, Bitcoin bought this and it's gonna do this and it's gonna be amazing. You just wait. You just wait. The price is at two thousand, it's gonna be at three thousand. You wait. I mean, that's the same shit. That's the same thing about the internet though, right? Like what throughout the entire existence of the internet, people are saying what it's going to be and what it currently can't do. Right? Like, you know, one day imagine a world where you can you can share videos and instantly talk to your friends on the internet and watch them and talk to them from across the world at, a, at the click of a button and not pay for it. And back in the email days, that's like, that's crazy. That's stupid. That's never happening. And it took 40 years or whatever it took to get there, but it got there. And it slowly got there based on those people trying to push what the internet was at the time further than its current capability. And it happened really slow. And, but like, there was no point where like, all right, Swipe our hands of this. We figured it out. The internet's done. Yeah, and it's still not at that point. There's still people figuring shit out, and still people trying to secure the shit that they've already built. That's just a given. Um, but the things that I talked of aren't things that are going to happen. They've already happened. Brave has already cut CoinDesk a check because CoinDesk said, "Okay, we're going to allow people to pay for ads when they're on our website." And so now they've created this whole new business model for websites for people. So CoinDesk is the first one. That's the first domino that says, okay, people are willing to pay fractions of a penny to not have ads just clutter the shit out of their screen. So CoinDesk is the first one. They're going after a bunch. I know one thing, they keep pushing off our interview because they keep saying, oh, we've got better and better news, so we're going to keep pushing this interview off until we get it all. (laughs) So those are actual use cases. Those are things that we thought would happen, but now they're actually happening. So what's going to happen when Brave Brave Software gets 10, 15 websites and they're cutting them checks on the monthly because that's people paying Bitcoin because they don't want to see ads? Okay, well, then you get your CNNs and you got your uh, fucking Nike.coms. You got the people like that that are going to want the service too because they don't want to miss out. So the actual Bitcoin use cases are something that are going to be slow to understand because it's a new idea. Like if I were to walk to somebody on that I know and say, Hey, would you be willing to pay fractions of a penny to not see ads on your web browser? They would say, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Is it cool? There'd be some people that say, well, let me see how that works. And I say, look, it's like this. I load Bitcoin into my web browser and I no longer have to experience ads. It's like, Whoa, that's kind of cool. There's going to be other people like, Oh, I don't care about ads. I click all day. I get all the malware I want. Right. <laughs> There's going to be some people that are like, what's a web browser? And you're going to be like, oh, well, you are fucked. And then you just keep on moving. So, I mean, it just takes time. So, lots of time. Well, but anyways, speaking of running out of time, we weren't ru- speaking about running out of time. But we need to get into uh, the interview. Yeah, we have. Uh... Adam Draper from Boost VC. We should probably do an ad first, though. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah. We got to do those. Uh, let's do that. Our good friends at escrowmybits.com. Uh, they've been a sponsor for us for a while, and we love their service. So uh, allow us to tell you a little bit about them. 
It's a super easy concept and it's only going to take three steps. All you got to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. The seller will then ship the item. You check the goods and then the funds get released. It's super simple. They also offer Bitcoin escrow with a lock exchange rate. So no matter where you are in the world, they got you covered. All they're going to do is charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all the transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So escrow my bits was created pretty much to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around. Their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. And we want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use it. So go to that website, sign up for that newsletter and stay up to date where you can escrow your shit with escrow my bits. And then we're about to get some new swag from our friends at Athena Bitcoin, who have been sponsoring our meetups in Philly, so we appreciate that. And they just so happen to be the, the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATM. So if you're going to use a Bitcoin ATM and you're in Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas, I think you're in Florida, Cedar Hill, a couple other cities, you got to use them. Atlanta. Download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play. And for specific locations and more information, visit athenabitcoin.com. They're always adding new locations, so you can stay up to date on that. We're also brought to you by the portfolio company, BitQuick.co, which is quick, easy, peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. And they've been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. So where there's a bank, there's BitQuick. Hey-oh. So uh, we talked a lot about uh, kind of what the the, the use cases are going to drive this whole thing forward. And what better way to kind of transition into uh, our interview is that a VC venture capitalist, angel, angel, angel funder, guy who enables people to try and build things. And so I, I feel like they, they kind of shape the way forward by paying people to try and make things and then give them, you know, business timelines and able to build a build real business structure around what they're doing. So Adam Draper from Boost VC, let's hear what he has to say, what he thinks about the space, where he thinks it's going, what type of projects are cool or upcoming and interesting so on and so forth. All right. We have Adam Draper here from Boost, Boost VC to talk about how he feels about the space, what's currently going on in, in his world, and, uh, and maybe interesting projects that he'd like to talk about. Can you uh, give our audience a little introduction to yourself, how you got kind of started in the space, what made you change what you were doing and shift a lot of your efforts into 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 bitcoin and you know quote unquote blockchain and and how you yeah. felt about all that no thanks thanks for having me on the show this is great um yeah so my name's adam draper uh i have been in the bitcoin space uh for a meeting um i i've been in the, uh the <laughs> my name's adam draper i'm uh, i'm a reformed bitcoin no i'm <laughs> Space for about four years, four and a half years. Uh, and how it started was, well, I guess I should go back. I founded a company called Expert Financial a long time ago, about nine years ago. And I ran that for about four years. <clears throat> and I made every mistake known to man starting that business, running it. And uh, from that, I really found that uh, I really enjoyed helping make the same mistakes that I did. And so I, uh, so eventually I left expert 
profound what became Boost VC um, because it, mentoring in bulk was called an accelerator. Mm -hmm. Right before I actually founded Boost VC, I had done a couple of angel investments, and one of those angel investments was in a company called Coinbase. Uh, Good one. Brian, Brian Armstrong. Uh, I, I actually reached out to him because I saw his name listed somewhere. And I said, okay, so what, what is digital currency? What is, what, and and he, he said something about Bitcoin. And I said, you know, the one thing he probably was tired of hearing, which was what, what is Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he went into this uh, long explanation. And I, I think a lot of people don't give enough credit to uh, what Coinbase had to do before anyone else really entered or tried to fundraise in the space was they provided a lot of education to investors because when Coinbase was going out, there had to be, this is what Bitcoin is and this is what we do with Bitcoin. Yeah. Where, you know, startups were able to just go out and say, this is what we're doing with Bitcoin and venture capitalists and investors were able to, uh, you know, know what Bitcoin was already. And so there's less of an educational barrier. Um, uh, six months into operating Boost VC in, in Coinbase, and Coinbase started to do pretty well. Um, so this was sort of like January, February of 2013. I... Uh, we, we were looking for a technology to focus on. We were looking for uh, own technologically um, to stand out. There are a lot of different accelerators. There are a lot of different places where you, entrepreneurs can go for money. I thought, we thought that it would be a really good idea to own something that was sort of um, no one owned yet. And we saw 3D printing and drones and a bunch of other stuff. And we ended up uh, really hard at Bitcoin. No one had staked a claim to it. No one had really decided they were backing companies using this new technology. And we immediately wrote down about 10 to 15 ideas that we thought Bitcoin could enable. And, that, and, and we looked at that and then we researched, we learned more about the blockchain. And then we said, okay, let's just do it. And so we went for it uh, and we became it. We, we announced in, uh, I, I think I still have the blog post somewhere, but it was like February, 2013. We announced we're backing Bitcoin startups. Lightning rod for all of this activity. Mm -hmm. we, we, we had all of the entrepreneurs, everyone was just excited that who was, willing to invest money into people in their industry. We met everyone. Uh, and so we were, during that next tribe, we call each of our sessions a tribe. Mm -hmm. We, uh, seven out of 17 companies that were uh, Bitcoin related startups. Boost VC is we're an accelerator for startups where we provide housing, office space and investment to 20 companies twice a year, 20 to 25 companies twice a year. Um, and we stake to claim we are the, we're one of the most active investors in the Bitcoin and blockchain space. And uh, about two years ago, we added the focus of virtual reality and we're expanding our focus to being 
making science fiction a reality. So we've, we've backed it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so we've backed some drone company, space companies. We're, uh, I have basically anything that gets me closer to an Iron Man suit. That's a good way to go, I think. Uh, like that, that, that brings up a good question I have, and it's something that I, I'm always curious about when we talk to, um, I don't want to call you the money in the space, but you know, people who back the projects and pick the projects that get funded, uh, your vision is kind of a good picture of what, you know, if, you're, if you're a successful VC company, how you view the space dictates kind of what gets developed because we all have great ideas. Some a lot of those ideas never get put into fruition because we simply don't have the money to do them. So what you decide to back, I mean, it takes we understand it takes an idea as well as a good team to back that idea. But how how do you feel about this recent? I don't want to call it rift, but kind of transition into the term blockchain. Is it a good term? It does it does it encapsulate so, how we, what this technology is to you? So it's a really, I, I feel, loaded question. Yeah, it is. In, <laughs> in the niche, niche of the blockchain space. So I'll give you my, my personal experience. Um, in the Bitcoin space, I was committed to Bitcoin. And, I, and so everyone was saying digital currency or altcoins. Uh, or cryptocurrency. And there were all these different terms. And over time, a few of them sort of died out a little bit. Now, altcoins is back. Uh, like, I, I had I had migrated from crypto, I had migrated from digital, and I was like, set on Bitcoin. Market caught up. And everyone started saying Bitcoin. I was like, ah, oh, finally, we just on the one term of Bitcoin. And I was right. Mm -hmm. And then... Then everyone started saying blockchain, and I, I was like, wait, wait a second, wait a second, where, 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 I'm still saying Bitcoin, and so, <laughs> but, and so it's it's a it was like this evolution of just jargon for a while because technically a lot of the broader public don't really understand the difference between Bitcoin and blockchain, but they did understand that banks were excited about the blockchain yeah. a branding thing that ended up happening where it was just the word ended up being different now that brings me to a, another point which is now i do feel that uh opportunities in bitcoin specifically opportunities with the blockchain specifically um, I've, I've stopped sort of considering Bitcoin itself just another tokenized asset. I think of it as its own thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do see the potential of both. It, it doesn't bother me anymore. But it did bother me for a while because I thought we had all gotten on one you know, vernacular and then we transitioned out of it and that bothered me for a while. Yeah, but we're good like now. I feel like it's because a lot of this is so nascent and you're seeing a lot of these what I like, relatively really young projects start up that do, that operate in a vastly different way. Uh, it's it's hard to find one term that suits all of them in a, in a in a way that's brandable and blockchain seems to be the one thing that 
you can say and then narrow down on what you know quote unquote type of blockchain you're you're referring to and it's it's i've i've spent a lot of time talking to people on how we brand this to the general public so that it's intuitive and sexy if you will but it's 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 difficult and i feel like blockchain seems to be the one everyone's coalescing around to start the conversation and then you can say that, you know well the one you already heard of is probably bitcoin well let's talk about this thing if they're doing something different uh and correct e- even I you know, see fred ursham I... and coinbase discussing you know app coins or tokens or things like that in, in different aspects of how this stuff works you uh like where do you when, when someone comes with a pitch What's your underlying kind of checklist for vetting whether or not it's even worth your time considering? So what we look for at BoostVC, uh, pretty experienced in the space on a macro level. I like, uh, I like to, we've met a lot of different companies in the space. We know just on a concept basis of what the potential of Bitcoin and blockchain are, we've met most of the general ideas in uh, whether it's transfer of money, something like EMR records in healthcare, whatever the idea is, we've met probably most of the entrepreneurs that are, are, are doing it. The, the key is, the first thing I look for, for blockchain specific companies, still, it's no different than any other uh, is. I want a good team. And so I'm looking for a great team about the problem they are solving. Mm-hmm. Problems that the blockchain or Bitcoin industry uh, really has is that a lot of the engineers, uh, a lot of the entrepreneurs, they get really excited about the technology and they forget that it's really about the problem. Like the opportunity is really about the problem that they're solving with that technology. Um, and, and so I, first and foremost, it, it, for me, it, we've committed to Bitcoin and we've committed to blockchain. I know it's the future of finance. I know that it's the future of how everyone's going to be transacting, but, but we need to make sure that the team, uh, of that company of that idea is the right and strong team. Uh, the next, the look for is, is this a good use case for the blockchain? Um, or Bitcoin and the time, like I'd say like a lot of people who talk to me, a lot of the entrepreneurs who talk to me, they're always surprised at how like anti-blockchain I sound, mm-hmm. even though I'm like probably the largest supporter you can find. And it's, <laughs> it's because of that, that point where people focus so hard on the technology and not so much on the opportunity when they're pitching this new technology they think i'm just going to get excited that someone's using i just think bitcoin and the blockchain are the best way to solve specific problems and i want companies to be pitching me the problems that they're trying to solve not the technology they're building it on that's a very it's a very i think powerful point to um kind of let people know what they should be focusing on for a while because as, as this space was blowing up and becoming kind of old hat, I don't want to say old hat, but like in everyone's ears, they were, they were, they had a solution and they were looking for a problem. 
in a lot of different Completely. ways. And they were trying to build businesses around that, which is just the complete opposite way of going around something. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, every the, VC the, the, has a business model. And if you're not solving a good problem, like I've, I've said this countless times, there are no, there's no such thing as a good answer until you have a good problem or a good question. And people are coming up with answers without even thinking about what they're solving in the first place. And if you want to make money off that or build a business around it, that's really hard to do. So yeah, your, you, yeah, sorry. <laughs> for okay. a second there. But the, uh, um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, the, that I, I would, I remember the quick summary. It's not, you know, Facebook didn't, pitch the idea of Facebook by saying, Hey, we're building on, you know, five or something. <laughs> they, they just said, Hey, we're going to connect the world. I'm looking for them to connect the world. I'm not looking for the technology they're using to do it. I just think that Bitcoin is the best technology for finance right now. Mm -hmm. That's why it, it is a focus for us. That's why it is an expertise. The potentiality of the space is so grand based on what this technology has potential for, it's a good way to focus on, I guess, cornering this particular market by backing good problems that happen to use this type of technology. Is that, is that a fair way of assessing it? That's a, that's a great way to assess it. And I feel like that's, like that's kind of been the consensus with everyone that we talk to that is, that is trying to either you know, be an accelerator, a VC, an entrepreneur, as someone who's, who's enabling the people with the ideas to build them. Uh, and like, yeah. I, it, I think it's a really important message for people to understand the business side of this entire space, because I would say we're very heavily saturated in engineers and people who are smart and understand the technology, but lack the business sense. And I'd yeah. imagine just based on the startups and pitches that you get, you, you, you have a better feeling about this and that, like, it, it, are people just lacking the, the organizational and business sense in the pitches, but they have good ideas? Yeah, it's more business sense. It's more they don't have a background in the problem they're trying to solve. Like, if you're going to go and solve management now I'd say has broken up into probably 10 different companies because supply chain management for and supply and then supply chain management for pharmaceuticals, um, a background in pharmaceutical supply chain. Mm. Otherwise you don't know what the company is that you need to go talk to about the problem, or you don't know where the manufacturing facilities are. You're, you don't even have an idea of it and you're so distant from, I'm not saying that it, it can't be done. I, I've seen entrepreneurs just, you know, blow me away with what they're capable of. You are fighting an uphill battle if you don't have a background in the problem you're trying to solve um, or very passionate about that problem being solved. And it's, it's a very simple, but... We always talk about at Boost VC, we were always talking about why are they doing this? 
like when we're when we're deciding on teams when we're in our room our office deciding on teams that we're going to be letting into the program why are they doing this is the main topic that we discuss is it a strong enough why Mm -hmm. because we think that like there's no doubt about it any startup is hard startup building on blockchain is harder in a lot of ways because it's a newer technology you're betting the farm on something that hasn't been completely proven out itself and giving up is really really easy um especially if you're not passionate about what what you're doing you really require a strong why that's the difference i think all right uh like do you have do you have any insight as to currently strong whys that you found um somewhat surprising and 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 in recent startups that you've enabled? Yeah, I mean, uh, Align Commerce it does cross-border B2B uh, transfer of money using the blockchain. And his background was he built a money transfer company. He sold it to Western Union. And then he was working in global payments at Western Union and realized that the blockchain was coming and he left to found a company to disrupt it. Uh, so that's like, a, that's like a perfect example where it's like a clear background, a clear understanding, and identifying a clear opportunity with a new technology. Hmm. It wasn't him going out in search of a problem. He completely understood the problem, and he completely saw the technology that was going to disrupt it. Um, let's see, what are other good... Uh, I mean, it, it, it had a huge background in building platforms and backend databases, and they built up a way in which you're able to spin up. Um, it's different dev tools for building out blockchains. Uh, the who was that again? I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit there. Block Block Cipher. Uh, okay. They, they they help you spin up blockchains and they have had a huge background at a bunch of really great enterprises where they were building out back end platform databases. And so it was, it was a very natural able to identify a new platform in which needed what they were going to be building. Um, then let's hear, I don't know, off the top of my head, it, it, there, there are countless stories of people we have backed in that, um, because we do, we look for why. We really do think why is way, way more than important than almost anything. Um, it's commitment, commitment to the, like, the problem. Here's a, here's a kind of a, I guess I was recently talking to a friend of mine who is a bit kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? He didn't seem to care as much anymore because he'd been in the space for a while and everything seemed like throughout the beginning, everything was revolutionary. Everything was disruptive. Everything was, you know, you got pitched all of these things every month on, we're going to change the world with this. And yet it still kind of feels like we're in the same spot, despite having all of these things started. Maybe we have a lot of proof of concepts, a lot of things like that, but it's where we are closer, we're a few steps forward in terms of, you know, mainstream adoption and people starting to really work to implement these ideas into the underlying infrastructure. But we're not that I guess that that 
promise that we all saw when we first got into the technology of like, this is going to revolutionize everything certainly hasn't, isn't on our doorstep yet. How do you feel about kind of all of these projects trying to revolutionize something, um, their ability to get there and the time frame it takes for maybe the entire space to have like this, this shift in the way that we do finances and, you know, back end value transfer. Yeah. Um, it's really important for a CEO or a founder to have a really large vision. Can't really express that enough because it's really important to make believers in the employees and people who are building alongside of you. And what the promise of Bitcoin was at the beginning, and it still is. I mean, it's as the world is still true. It, it's just, you know, Rome wasn't built in one day. Mm-hmm. It's going to take, it's going to take time. And there's, there's, there's this law, they call it Amara's law. The expectation of disruption is always, uh, basically in the beginning with technology, everyone assumes that it's going to just remain on a constant course upward as it disrupts. And really, the new technology has this false start always. There's always a false start of a new technology, what the expectation is for a long time. But it eventually surpasses the expectation of what everyone believes to. And so for, for Bitcoin, like your question is really centered around like, are we really going to be disrupting the world with this? And the answer is yes. I think a lot of people don't have the patience to think mm-hmm. about like how it takes to disrupt an, an entire way in which people do business um, and how many different pieces of that business there are. And each of those things is actually a different business in itself. And so I think that the uh, it right now where we are, I lost you. Where all the hard grunt work is going unnoticed. Mm. Like all the stuff, like everyone who is crazy passionate about disrupting and creating and evolving the financial industry or the, all the industries that are being attacked right now with the blockchain and Bitcoin, like, you know, no one's paying attention to what's actually really those products, all that stuff. And, and it's going to disappear from view for a little while. 12 months are going to be a little, uh, for, for lack of a better term, unsexy. Yeah. And in the blockchain space, because, you know, a couple of these POCs with big companies aren't going to pan out. People will think, oh, well, you know, the blockchain, that was, that was cute for a little while. Um, Real technology, the people who are really solving the problems, they're going to solve them. It's just, it always takes longer than you think. Yeah, there's this, there's this uh, feeling that I have, like infrastructure isn't sexy, but it's necessary. And when you're building... That's a you're... great title to a blog post. <laughs> yeah, really, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll write that blog post. It's, it's, it's definitely a problem that we all have because at the end of the day, I, I mean, in my personal opinion is that the end user shouldn't care how what the stack is that provides the service they're using. And 
you know, you use the internet. You don't care how TCPIP works. That's your kind of canonical analogy. And it's the same type yep. of thing here. And what we're building right now is very much infrastructure, infrastructural. And it's people are antsy. They want, they want to see the end use case, but it's going to take maybe potentially a few layers to be built on top of this infrastructure in order to provide those real neat, cool use cases that are seamless in someone's everyday every, every, everyday experience. And that's going to take a while, but we're building yeah. a foundational yeah. layer that can, that can provide a ridiculous amount of new experience to people in a way that they've never seen before, or maybe an easier, more secure way of doing the same things they're already doing. But how do you sell that? How do you make that sexy? Completely. How do you make that sexy? That, that's the thing is that I, I think that it's, you know, we're laying the wires. We're like the guy who uh, laid the first cable for the telegraph across the Atlantic Ocean. And I got a podcast about that guy. Like, uh, <laughs> and it's the first, the first one. It, and they, they, they actually, I read a, I read a book on this. It's called the Victorian internet. And they, they laid it four times before they succeeded. Um, or three times before they succeeded on the fourth time, they actually did get it right. And that's, that's sort of how I feel. I feel like we're like, everyone's trying different things. Like we, it'll be a huge reward when that infrastructure is actually built on the software level. But right now it's, you know, we're, we're, we're building out the pipes. We're, uh, you know, laying the wires and the foundation for, for a global financial system. Mm -hmm. And really exciting. If you're in the middle of it, it's just, you know, like, it isn't always a sexy story. It's not always a, I think there's going to be really big businesses. I think some of the biggest businesses are going to come out of the Bitcoin and blockchain space, but it's not always going to be like the sexy. It's like AT&T. It's not, you know, well, even AT&T is not, AT&T's not, not sexy. And that's what I was trying to say. It's like the businesses um, you don't know about like, that make but, billions of dollars like that currently exist Completely. right now, like that, you know, do like communications between different companies that like no one ever talks about and don't have a marketing campaign because they don't really sell a product to an end user. A lot of those businesses are what I think will be built now. And, but and the things that are big problems and that's, that's what we're excited about. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's, it's the same situation. Like since we're on such a low level of the technology, we see a much larger picture of what the, of the potential, because our scope is so broad. We can just, oh, it can, it can influence this. Oh my God, it can influence this. Well, what about this? And as you build more layers on top of that, your scope narrows. And so you, you, you can't apply what that thing is doing to nearly as many use cases. And I, and that's almost like a good litmus test for how far we are or how long or how far we need to go uh, is how many things can this one thing influence when we're developing yeah, whatever we're doing. Uh, if you listen to a panel about the blockchain and then you listen to a panel about Bitcoin, one after the other, what's really interesting right now is that the panelists talking about Bitcoin are talking about things that have happened. 
and the panelists talking about blockchain are talking about what's going to happen hmm. because it, nothing has happened yet. Hmm. So it's a really, it's, it's just one is following the other in time. So it's just an interesting thing. That is very interesting. I never thought about kind of the terms and the perspectives that they're used, used in like the, you know, the frames yeah, that they're used uh, in. Just, and that, that makes a lot of sense because Bitcoin is yeah. the, the majority of the history. Yeah. So, uh, Dang, the next time you listen to someone talk about the blockchain, just li listen to how it's all, you know, it's all future forward. It's all you know, the dream. This is how it's all going to work. But when someone's talking about Bitcoin, it's today. This is the transaction volume. This is what we're doing. This is the volume we're doing. This is, you know, like it, they're businesses now. Like our Bitcoin companies are real businesses um they you know make and lose money like there's actual money in them right now most of the blockchain based stuff is services which is great and i i think it's an evolutionary thing like it needs to go through this side of the coin to get to the other i mean definitely we, we talked about that quite a bit just last year and that um the usability of the of the of the technology was very difficult and so was our, our our tagline uh, for the show is a, adoption is the only thing that matters. And it's like, it's hard to have people appreciate what it's capable of if it's so difficult to use. And last year was a, a lot of really large steps in the usability of the technology. Um, just that like for, for Bitcoin in its pure currency form, you can, it's much, much easier to get a hold of it, transact it and use it and buy things with it than it was last year. That that whole year was a drastic shift in usability, and so now as people can use it, the focus can start to kind of shift towards alternative aspects or building businesses on top of it, and they don't have to worry about figuring out, fumbling around, figuring out what the hell they're doing before they can start thinking about different types of problems. Is that was that how you felt the like the startup scene has changed over time? Yeah, the, well, the startup scene has definitely changed a lot. Um, higher bar for entrepreneur to get into the blockchain or Bitcoin space because it's not about the blockchain or Bitcoin anymore. It's about the problem you're solving. So it's just you need to have had experience in the space to be making a dent there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say it's less startups and I think you'll even see this in like the news and like the places it's, you know, people are talking more about banks and institutions and IBM and these, and it's in the news, it's less, it's less big Bitcoin oriented. Like it's best, less startup oriented. It's like, you know, there, there's a barrier, there's a barrier to entry now. Like there is a real, people do understand what the space is. They understand the technology and they want entrepreneurs who really understand what they're solving now. Um, so it's, it's just interesting. Like, I, I think that evolution that's happened, like the, it's a, a just naturally older demographic and it's uh, in, a, in a great way where people are more experienced, people understand the problems they're solving and still trying to tackle the world.
Yeah, it's a it's 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 an interesting thing you said there because like just looking back on what we previously said, there's no there's no such thing as a good uh, answer if there's not a good question, and you can only come up with good questions with like fundamental understanding of the space in which you're working in, and Bitcoin is now old enough to have people asking good questions, which means like you you need that that experience in the space if you're going to work in it now. It's not one of those things where you can just jump in and understand the entire space. There's really there's real specialties involved with it now, and it's starting to continuously scope out or like you know branch out into more specialties in a way that it's like it's now impossible to keep up with the entire space of blockchain because it's so broad and there's so many projects currently happening you need to really focus on something you find interesting and then the more you learn about that you'll start to develop an understanding and then be able to ask good questions of problems of one way where something may not work as expected or it can be fixed really really well from there you can probably build a business model and come up with an idea for a startup Yes, that's a good way of putting. I, I, I would, I, I would like our listeners to hopefully kind of get an idea of like a lot of people ask us like, how do we get involved in the space or how do we get started? What can I do? And our number one answer is, is like learn, like go figure out something that Bitcoin applies to in an area you're already interested in, and use that expertise to leverage the problems you have in that area. And if there's a big fit, you might have a pro- you might have something there, but it's going to require them educating themselves about the space itself at both Bitcoin and more about what they have. Because if, you know, we've all seen people just try and tack on the word blockchain or Bitcoin and have a shitty business model and try to just live off the hype of people saying the word. And that's, no longer going to cut it anymore. It's they're immediately seen as, you know, bad. Whereas in the past, maybe there was like, okay, well, they're using something about this. Maybe it's cool. We don't know yet because the space isn't old enough. It's nice to know that. Yeah. It seems old enough now from the people who are, who are in the VC area. We're, you know, we're, uh, I think that's a really great way to think about it. It's go learn, go do, and go just understand your own experiences and understand where the blockchain might be able to apply. Where can you replace third-party trust with proof? And where can your transactions be more frictionless and those actions can fit? What else can you tokenize or is also another big opportunity. And the... uh, yeah, learning. I mean, it's definitely learning and it's applying and it's trying and it's ex- experimentation. I also just think like start with something, like start with buying Bitcoin, opening a wallet, paying for something with it. Like mm-hmm. understand how cool it is just on a user perspective and then start to understand why it's so great. Really start to understand. Like if it's, if we're talking to like, People who are like, yeah, Bitcoin sounds cool, but don't necessarily quite get it yet. Like, definitely that's where it is. Like, just buy some Bitcoin. Go do that. Yeah. You know, like, if you're in a huge industry like construction, uh, e-commerce, whatever, like, there is something that Bitcoin and the blockchain apply to. You can definitely research and solve a problem using it. It's a matter of whether or not it's useful 
And so that's point on the answer anymore. It can't be tacos with Bitcoin or you know, like, a, you know, I'm, we're, we're, we're Uber with Bitcoin or uh, like that sort of thing, because that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the best Bitcoin and blockchain pitches I, ha- I have are when Bitcoin or the blockchain aren't even discussed because it's just a problem that they're solving. And they said, yeah, and the blockchain happens to be the best way to solve this. Hmm. That's, that's good to know. I, I like that, that kind of I like to hear that from the people who are like in this, like the, the ground level of the startup space. And you, you kind of have a, in my opinion, a real good feel of the pulse of the whole space because you're getting all the people trying to start something. You're getting all the people telling them what, what, you know, problems they have to solve. And as that, as that space changes and things get funded, things, real things start to happen because, you know, people need to make money. So when you, when you kind of light a fire under their ass to make that, to solve that problem in the way they say they're going to, then real things get made. And we end up as end users with products that we get to use and services. So. Thanks for doing that. We are like we, me as an end user, and and and, and yeah. infinitely grateful for all the things that you've enabled. With Coinbase, we pitch it constantly on the show because it's one of the best ways to get people just started. Like you said, to buy some Bitcoin, use it, trade yeah, it, well, and buy something. It's great. So, uh, it's actually, it's really fun because now when I talk at conferences or I'm speaking in front of a group. I, I always tell my story, but then I say, how many people in this room have owned Bitcoin? Uh, and, you know, it's it's like not that many. Normally it's about five or something, ten. It depends how big the group is or what the focus of the group is. And then then I say, how many of you have? And it's always the exact same number. And, and that's awesome because if they have Bitcoin, they have a Coinbase account. Yeah. Um, that's that's always always an exciting thing for me um you know i'm still more excited than ever about the bitcoin and blockchain space constantly talking learning searching for the next great idea in the space the next great talented team um you know if shout people if you if there's a great company amongst you uh you can email me at adam at boost.vc perfect that's a great way to wrap up this episode uh thank you for coming on and and, um is there anything else you'd like to pitch before before we end this follow me at adam draper and on the the twitter Hmm. yeah that's about it that's that's my pitch and yeah first apply to boost vc awesome so we actually before we go we have one more question we ask everyone can you explain bitcoin in 10 words or less in 10 oh internet money all right two nailed it <laughs> i did it i love the most ascent ones those are the best all right adam the p to p of money or the yeah i, I Above that, it would take probably about 20. But yeah, I, I think internet money is the best way to explain Bitcoin today. 
replacing third party proof is the best way to explain blockchain, but you really don't have a good idea of what that is if you do it. But for yeah. beginners, that's the best. All right. Cool. This was fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Really love what you guys are doing, raising awareness in the Bitcoin blockchain space. You keep trying. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.